When the sun rises, I wake up and chase my dreams. I won't regret when the sun sets, cause I live my life like I'm a beast. What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast today. Hope you are having a great week. I'm really excited to be with you today. I'm Steve Vandegraaff, and today I'm here with Dr. Derek Williams, also known on the interweb as D. Will, the one and only. Derek, how are you doing? Good. Thanks, Steve. Are you podcasting while you're camping? Is that right? Yep. We are back out in the in the camper at our favorite lake again. Wow, that's great. What is the name of this lake again? Uh, it's Lake Sam Rayburn. Sam Rayburn. He sounds like a, a great war hero from Texas. I think I may have mentioned it before, but it's like probably one of the most famous freshwater fishing and bass fishing lakes in the country. They do a lot of tournaments and stuff out here, but unfortunately we don't fish, but it's, it's really pretty and we always have a good time here. Nice. Is it bitter cold? out there right now i'm imagining yesterday it was like 68 oh wow great <laughs> yeah so today the high is like about 60 so it's a little bit chillier today but it's kind of nice we can kind of take advantage of the nice times and then cuddle up in the warm inside when it's colder i could see you doing like a polar bear challenge like just getting up at four and swimming across a frozen lake oh No, I did a lot of stupid stuff for very small amounts of money back in the day. And those days are pretty much over for me. Uh, That's fun. Well, that's great. Today, folks, I wanted to talk with Derek and all of you about something every dentist listening experiences most every day in their office to one degree or another. And they know all too well. We're talking about those times when a patient is unhappy about some work you did in their mouth. Those times when, despite your efforts to do perfect work, and sometimes despite you doing perfect work, something just doesn't sit right with the patient and they're not happy with it. Sounds like a fun thing to talk about. It's been on my mind. Anyway, all of us, except maybe Justin, who has probably never had this problem, knows what a pain these times are. We cringe, at least I cringe, when I look on the schedule and see post-op appointments on somebody that we just had worked on. My last couple calls with a couple dentists actually included a little bit of like a venting session where they just expressed how difficult it was having a patient who was unhappy with their crown or who had sensitivity or some other problem. So I think learning to improve the communication we have with these patients and handle the stress of these situations can make our days at work a lot better. Yeah, I'm excited for this, Steve. I think this is a really good question. And a lot of times our podcast is not real big in as far as like the day in and day out of dentistry. I've had a few family members that enjoy listening because there's a lot of good leadership principles. But this this is very much geared towards dentistry and some of these challenges that we face every day. So I'm glad you decided to take this on. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking little teeth here. 
So if you're Derek's family members that usually listen, you may just want to skip this one. (laughs) On this topic, module six in the Lifestyle Practice Academy talks more in depth about specific things to help in these situations. So I definitely review that. But let's go ahead and talk about some things that you can do right away when patients are unhappy with their mouth. First, and it probably goes without saying, but do the best work that you can. But there's a flow and a science to this process. But quality care of patients and staff should always be first priority. If you're having issues with treatment outcomes because you're rushing procedures and not taking the time needed, obviously that's going to be the first step to go back and correct them. And it may not even require a drop in productivity. It may simply mean rearranging your schedule so that you have the time that you need on more clinically demanding procedures. And I think we'll talk a little bit more about that as far as a little bit later, as far as using these obstacles and this feedback from patients to improve. But in my opinion, if you have any kind of a conscience, you have to be asking yourself, am I treating these patients the way that I would want to be treated if I were in their position? Yeah. Glad you laid that all out up front. A common criticism of talking about business and dentistry is that if you're talking about money or profit, you must not be taking care of people. But everyone should know that's kind of like a given, right? That That's foundational. Taking care of people is good business. So I'm glad you shared that right up front. Yeah. So I think second of all, and this kind of goes along with the first point, but you need to understand what you're comfortable with. You should be able to look at x-rays and clearly picture the process possible complications and the desired outcome and how that will be achieved. If you can't, that may be a sign that you need to refer out that particular procedure. I know all of us want to be the hero and tell the patients that we can perform their treatment in our office. I get it. I've been and still am in those situations as well. But know your boundaries and decide when you can safely push your envelope a little bit further be intentional about this process. This is something that I see approached in a poor manner by a lot of new docs. They are overconfident and try to push themselves too quickly. They get into trouble and have a poor outcome, and then they decide that they're never going to do those procedures again. This is, again, a bad outcome because then they're referring out potentially millions of dollars over the course of their career. So learn to do this in an appropriate manner. Know your boundaries. Don't let patients push you into doing something that you're uncomfortable with. Focus on getting great outcomes first. If you can do this, you're less likely to deal with complications outside of your realm and having to deal with those difficult post-ops. Yeah. Derek, I thought you had no boundaries. I thought you did everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Come to me, Steve. Yeah, I actually do. No, I I agree with you. And in general, if you don't feel solid doing something, just don't do it. If you don't get the outcome you you want and the patient deserves, that's just, first of all, not what you want, but you're just going to be stressful. You'll probably be less productive in your other appointments or for the rest of the day anyway. So sometimes the best case is no case. So great. Third point, sometimes dentists don't think about this a lot, but help patients take responsibility for their problems. Too many dentists let patients' problems become their problems. 
Now, don't get me wrong. We care about our patients. We want to help them and do our best. It's our office's mission to provide the best care and experience for them. But patients neglect or their bad experience with their last dentist, it's not your fault and you should not internalize that. Helping patients take responsibility for their mouth and their situation will take stress off of you and it will give the patient a chance to make changes that ultimately will be a lot better for them too. They may not make changes and accept responsibility and usually they don't, but you don't have to feel down or negative about it. So a patient has decay around something that you did a few years ago. Well, are they eating right? Are they taking care of their mouth? Are they coming to recall? If the answer to all of those is no, you don't need to beat yourself up or apologize or be afraid to charge for new work. If a patient somehow broke a well-fitting, well-done crown, it may be because they're grinding or bruxing. So you need to find that out. Are they wearing their night guard? Don't beat yourself up if it's their fault and not yours. Are those feelings you diagnosed and planned last year, have they progressed to needing crowns now? If so, be honest and let the patient know that the decay has grown and your treatment plan has now changed. It's different. When patients want you to do subpar work because it's cheaper, just stick to your guns. Tell patients what they need and don't be cornered into doing something just because an insistent patient is demanding it. Now, I'm not suggesting to go in and say, this is your fault, you know, this is your problem because you did this. When I'm saying that we should have patients take responsibility, what I mean is let's educate them and let them know in an objective way what's going on. So something like, John, I don't want to come off as lecturing to you, but because I like you and I want you to understand this decay that keeps happening in your mouth, it's costing you a lot and it could end up causing you to lose these teeth. We're going to do great work, but what needs to happen at home is this and this and this. So you're letting them know this is kind of in their lap, right? Or you've probably had an experience like this. Mr. Short, I know during a procedure, lean them up. I know this may be uncomfortable for you right now. The dental chair isn't the funnest place, but I want to do great work and I'm really struggling to fix this when you're not going to open your mouth or when you move around. Now, if something hurts, let me know, but can you help me here and we work together to get this done? So you're asking in a nice way to letting them know they need to shape up. Don't just struggle through a long and stressful and friction-filled appointment like that. We all know how that is. So, I mean, those are some examples off the top of my head, but the principle is don't make your life miserable by making the patient's problems your own when they're not. Life is too short for all that stress. If I could share a a personal story, and it's not one that I think I handled in the best way, but the principle of it is what was important to me. I had a new patient in for a limited exam. I honestly can't remember now what her specific chief complaint was. It's been several years, but she complained about her previous dentists. She complained that, you know, she said stuff like she had a, she's got a toothache now. And she told her dentist years ago that there was a cavity and it needed to be fixed and he disagreed. And so it's his fault. 
right off the bat, I knew that she's combative and not real compliant. I asked her, I said, when, when's the last time she had an exam and x-rays? And she said it had been a few years. So in my head, at this point, I'm thinking, I'm willing to work with this patient if she's able to take some responsibility. This is the part that I probably didn't word in the best way, not like you just said it. I think that's a lot better. But I just remember at that moment in the chair, I just needed to hear her take some responsibility if I felt comfortable to move forward with her being her dentist. So I told her, if it's been a few years, these cavities probably could have been caught when they were when they were smaller, if you had been going to the dentist for checkups in the meantime. It, it is what it is now, and you're here now, so we can work out a plan. But I think you can take a little bit of responsibility on, on your end in this process. What are your thoughts? I think she was so shocked to hear me say that. I don't remember what the, rest <laughs> of the conversation went like exactly, but she decided to not take responsibility and ultimately to find a different dentist. Again, like I said, I could have said things in a better way and I've gotten better at how I have those conversations now, but I did get the point across to her that I was trying to communicate and probably avoided a future difficult situation. Yeah, great personal story there. You know, she'll probably come to like a reckoning someday and understand that this stuff is her fault. And then she'll probably come back to you, Derek, the one person who told her straight. <laughs> she she comes back 20 years later. You changed my life. That line never, never went away from me. And I finally came to my senses. I'm, I'm sure that's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Time will tell. Great point, though. Great point. So uh, another point here communicate and educate on the front end. Much of the time when patients have a problem with something that was done in their mouth, it's not so much a clinical issue as it is a communication issue. Talking with patients before they come back unhappy with a problem, that is before you start the procedure or before they leave your office, that can reduce the number of issues we deal with or at least make them more manageable when they do occur because the patient's not caught off or caught by surprise. Our work is so routine and repetitive that it's easy to forget to really talk to patients about what to expect during and after a procedure. It only takes a minute or two, but sitting them up, talking unrushed about what they're going to feel and experience can help them be better prepared and it'll probably improve their opinion of you and their work as well. So here's something we all love to hear. You've probably heard it in your office just in the last little while. My tooth never hurt until you worked on it. Yes. Yeah. I love hearing that one. How do you manage this patient? So a couple things I would recommend if we're talking about solving these problems on the front end, I would recommend becoming picture happy with intraoral photos. If you have anything deeper than a shallow filling or any doubt that something could run the chance of causing sensitivity or needing endo or something, something more down the road, Take a picture of it and show the patient. Patients don't have a clue what dentin is or pulp or any dental words, but they'll understand a picture of something nasty in their own mouth. Patients seeing decay or a problem will help them remember tomorrow when cold water bothers them that their tooth is their tooth and their problem, not the dentist's fault. So also, if something is not clear, I'd recommend treatment planning on the aggressive side in case more work could be needed. So 
if the extra procedure or the extra work isn't needed, all of a sudden you're a hero because you're doing less than what was originally presented. Yeah, great points here. Have the discussion beforehand and then treatment plan the worst case scenario and give yourself a chance to get away with less. I absolutely love intraoral cameras. I believe that they are the most underutilized instrument in dentistry. Yes, hear me one more time. I believe that intraoral cameras are the most underutilized instrument for a few reasons. One is because of case acceptance, but that's not what we're talking about today. Another reason is because it gives you a chance to showcase the work that your patients have spent hundreds or thousands of dollars on. It's so easy in a couple seconds, take a picture and put up a before and after picture on the, on the screen. And it makes a world of difference to them. Probably 95 plus percent of patients out there when they got a cavity done or crown or whatever, probably never saw a before or after picture. And so they kind of just have to trust us as dentists to know that what we're giving them, it was worth the money. And obviously a couple of pictures is not telling them the clinical quality, but it does give them something to look at. So I think that that's a great, another great area to use an intraoral camera. The last reason is for what we're talking about here. Let's just look at it for a second from a legal standpoint. If you've ever had a patient that is unhappy with an outcome, usually our worst fear is them starting a lawsuit or making a complaint to the board. So many times we are trained to have exceptional clinical notes, and I would also be a proponent for this. But if we're simply trying to help the patient understand the situation, what's going to be more helpful to them? Reading back our clinical notes of what we saw on the day of treatment and reciting back our conversation that we had with them or putting up a picture of their tooth with gross decay and reminding them that we discussed the possibility of XYZ. What takes more time? spending a lot of time having exceptional clinical notes or spending 30 seconds at each appointment, taking a couple intraoral photos. Like I said, I'm still advocating for both, but what helps the patient the most? You see where I'm going with this. Using intraoral pictures is one of the best ways to quickly communicate the patient's responsibility. When they see what their tooth look like and recognize that they came in like that, it paints a very different picture. One other thing that I wanted to bring up is to let the patient have a say in their treatment. A, a common scenario that we often find ourselves in is a tooth that could possibly need a root canal, but we may not be sure. And in my opinion, there's not one right way to approach this. A lot of dentists will say, if you think it's going to be close, you should always do a root canal so that you don't have to deal with post-op pain. Others will be more on the conservative end. And I don't think either of them are correct because they're not taking the patient's philosophy into account here. So in my office, usually what I do is I'll treatment plan for the worst case scenario and let them know, hey, there's a pretty high chance that this tooth will need a root canal and a crown. I won't know until we get in there and see how deep the decay is. At that point, usually what I'll do is we've already planned for a root canal and crown. I get in there. If it's 
pulp exposure or whatever, I'll just tell them we'll go ahead and do the root canal, proceed as planned. If it doesn't look like I'm anywhere in approximation of the nerve, I'll let them know that there's probably a, a good chance we're not 100% in the clear, but there's a good chance that we can go forward without having to do the root canal. And then I'll, same thing as before, still have a picture, let them know of possibility of flare up in the future. And then the last case is where it's kind of on the fence, where it's close, but it's not into the pulp. In that situation, I will take a picture and I'll show them. I'll say, look, it's it's close here. It's kind of on the fence. We could kind of go either way. And this is where I want to talk to you and see what you think about it. I'll say, if we don't do the root canal, it may end up okay. You may end up today having pain and end up needing the root canal. If you could choose, which way would you rather go? Would you rather just do the root canal and not deal with the possibility of pain? Or is it worth it to you to have the possibility of avoiding the root canal? And I know that that's, that does take time and it's not the easiest conversation to have, but I do it simply because that's how I would want to be treated as a patient. And I believe that when you can involve the patient in making these decisions, that they're going to be happier with the outcome, regardless of what the actual clinical outcome is. If it, if it involves going through some pain and then having the root canal or vice versa, but getting them involved, letting them have authorship and ownership in the decision-making process is very valuable. Great. Yeah. It's their decision. You walked them through it. I like that. That's great. Use your intraoral cameras for all those things you just mentioned, Derek case presentation, covering your own back in case there's a problem, helping patients own it. I think it's also good for insurance reimbursement. I mean, just use them every day. All right. Last tip, accept the fact that there will be failures and learn from them. Even if you're an excellent clinician, as good as Justin Short, and even if you do all the things we just talked about, sometimes things just don't work out. A great root canal doesn't take care of the patient's problem. An implant fails even though everything you did was just right. These are tough because you worked hard to do them and you did your best work and the patient is unhappy because they paid a lot of money, understandably so. It's easy for us, kind of like we talked about earlier, to beat ourselves up over these or to feel down about these problems even outside of work when we go home. But I'd recommend to remember that professional failures are not your personal failures. If you did your best and something didn't work out, it doesn't make you a bad person or even a bad dentist. The fact that you feel bad means you care. So even if you did make a mistake and you caused something to not work out, look at it as a learning opportunity and strive to do better. Be methodical about your workflow. Which step should I change next time? What could I do differently when I run into this again. The key is to continue to improve and just bring your best each day. Look beyond, I would say, the immediate frustration of that one tooth or that one unhappy patient or that one hard day and see things in the bigger picture. The dentist you are now is way better than a couple years ago and you're gonna be a better doctor in a couple years than you were today. You can continue to present treatment confidently and still know that you're doing the best thing for your patients. I just think that's a healthy 
productive way to look at it rather than to get mired in in the stresses and and the difficulty of what we face in the office when some type of procedure doesn't work out. I mean, I'm pretty sure you haven't had any failures, right, Derek? But would you add any thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just share some thoughts on people that I've talked to that have had failures. Yes, please, if you would. <laughs> no firsthand knowledge from me. Yeah, I, mean, I would agree with your thoughts. I've referenced the book by Ryan Holiday a few times, The Obstacle is the Way. I absolutely love this book, but that's exactly what the message would be in this situation. Use your failures to change your future outcomes. And that's applicable all throughout your life, not just in your practice. I think I've shared it before, but I think there was a time probably two or three years ago, I was used to dealing with these kinds of situations. It seemed like maybe once a week or once every couple of weeks, I would have a patient where something didn't go just right or a patient was unhappy. And so I had kind of gone through these situations. And then there was a period of time where for like, it felt like for three weeks straight, there was, I, I saw a patient uh, like every single day that was unhappy with an outcome or, or something like that. And it was, it was super difficult for me. It was overwhelming and I kind of racked my brain and I'm thinking, thinking through all the possibilities, what's going on? Why is this, why is this happening? And at the time I had been reading and understanding that through obstacles, that's how we grow. And so I knew there was going to be something that it was good that would come from it. I just didn't know what it was. But eventually, that's what I learned is I learned, okay, I'm not doing as good a job as I should having these conversations beforehand with the patient. I'm not taking as many pictures as I should. I'm not talking with patients after the procedure. There was a lot of things that I that I realized I can definitely step up my game and Ever since that three-week period, it's drastically reduced the amount of these types of situations that have come up. It hasn't eliminated them, but it's drastically reduced them, and it's made practicing dentistry a lot more enjoyable and, and less stressful for me. And I think that's ultimately what we're going for here. Yeah, very well said. Well... With that, let's wrap it up, guys. Remember, your practice, you can build it to help your lifestyle and your family's lifestyle. Making dentistry less stressful is a part of that. And learning these things will help make your days a lot smoother. If you want help in tailoring your practice and your work days around your desired way of living, reach out and see what we can do to help. That's what we do. Derek, Steve, or Justin at the Lifestyle practice.com. We'd be happy to connect with you. And with that, everybody have a great week. See ya.